Hi, Leo. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm chilling. Are you chilling? That's good. Anyway. This is Leo. <laughs> and I'm Nikki. We are the RV Boys. And this is the Motorhome Murder Show. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it has been a long time since we recorded. Yeah, we we really stretched it this time. But we've been busy. Like we, we definitely have been busy. It has been um a complex time around us, but also good times to be around friends and celebrate another we're here in Inglewood. Yeah. So Inglewood where's Inglewood? In Colorado. And where in Colorado? Near Denver. Near Den- it's in the Denver metro area. In like. the Denver metro. <laughs> we're, we're in Denver. Like. We're in Denver. <laughs> How was the drive for you? It was it was good. Um, windy. So windy, yeah. the headwind coming at us most of the drive. I it it made it feel like I couldn't go very fast, which I shouldn't be, but it made it feel like I really had like I was like flooring it just to keep going and like pace. yeah like the seeing the gas gauge just going down and then yes like, oh, i was like no. literally just watching the gas gauge go down and i was just like oh this is gonna be fun yeah. i just want to make it to colorado i just want to make it to denver <laughs> just get me there i'll worry about it later yeah um but yeah i mean it was a beautiful drive just windy and then halfway through i'd say like just after crossing the state border, the wind like shifted and was like a tailwind. So then I was just cruising. Yeah, it just got so much better. And that was awesome. And then also once I could see the mountains, like uh-huh. once Oof. once you're looking in the distance and you just start seeing like the clouds meeting with like a blue strip and you're like, that's mm. the Rockies. And then it just keeps getting bigger you as you get keep getting closer. It's just like okay, we're here. We're we've made it to the Rockies, and I don't know. Denver's always had a good place for it. You've yeah, been a good place been, for us, you know. Yeah, it's a, a sense of home or or comfort that I can explain. Well, I mean, we met in Denver, so we like met in Denver in two thousand eight. Yeah. So like we have a history here. We have friends here. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. There's just a lot going on here. Uh, we, I I connect with the vibe of the city, so yes. I always look forward to visiting here. So I was I was looking forward to it and I was ready. Yeah. Um, also, we're we're staying like we're we're mooch docking this week. We're staying mm-hmm. at a friend's house, so we're like parked on like on their property in in the city, and so that's a weird thing for us. We're always yeah. parked out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> so it's weird to be parked around houses and around yes. people. So very big change, but it was something that I was like looking forward to a little bit. Like it's a it was it's not like going to a new city that I haven't been to and wondering how i'm gonna get there like we've been here we visited i knew mm-hmm. where i was going and how i was gonna park the rig and so it just like alleviated all that stress that yeah, is no. normally associated with a travel day exactly. so like 
I think that's why my travel day was so much easier too. Is like I wasn't knew. <laughs> I wasn't stressed about where I was headed. I already knew where I was headed. I've been here. I have seen it. I knew there wasn't going to be issues with the owners or issues with anyone. <laughs> you know, it's just I just need to get here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think uh, it was we we're looking forward to it too because we were coming for Pride, which we just did this Sunday. Yeah, so we made our drives a little bit longer so that right. we could make it here in time for Pride for Denver Pride. And we did it. We made it. We had wow. a wonderful time. I, we was much needed with everything going on, with the Supreme Court's decision, with everything that's just causing so much angst and uncertainty in this country to be around people that are celebrating. And we're just, and it was. It's also you know, Pride isn't just a celebration. It's like a. It's still a march. Like exactly. it's still a. We are here. You have to see us, and we have to be respected exactly. and recognized. We're not gonna hide anymore. And that's now more than ever. That energy needs to be put to good use and channeled. And we need to focus it as a group. And so to exactly. be around so many people focusing on the same thing was just something that I really needed. Same. And and the people are just like you. And there was a lot of people there. For me, my anxiety was bonkers that day but at the same time the the fulfillment of like hey there's people like me um seeing the latino stage the drag queens Mm -hmm. performing and it was like wow it was much much needed so the representation was there we saw betty who yeah betty who performed that was great all we saw the um performers with the young the kids drag yeah, um, from the documentary we just recently watched on discovery plus yeah so we watched the documentary series generation drag and it it was amazing like it was so moving touching and then to be here and i was hoping that we were gonna see some of them because the you know it takes place in denver so i was yeah. really hoping somebody would be there and they were and so that was really cool that we caught them yeah, it was that was great. Um, seeing so many like ally families, or just you know, just seeing the support for the youth yes. was incredible. And yeah, I mean, it was it was needed. I I needed it. Yeah, so that has been amazing. And and now we're here, time to record. Yes, and now to... I I can't push off dealing with some <laughs> dark shit anymore because you know I maybe that's why I haven't <laughs> wanted to record. Is like. It's just like there's too much dark going on. I don't want to talk about heavy shit. Like, but I do want to drink some really good natural wine. So if I'm gonna do that, I guess the trade-off means I have to talk talk about some dark stuff. Yeah, and we want to say thank you to all the listeners that we have so far in our four episodes so far. Thank you for listening. And yeah, tell me, I'm excited to try this wine. The label is gorgeous, so simple, but yeah, so impactful. Yeah. So this is. One, I I know we've had it years ago. Def, obviously not the same vintage, but I know we've had it. But I, so like last week, I just you know I said like I know exactly where I'm going <laughs> next week to get a bottle of wine, and I was right. So the reason is because like we've been to Denver before and stopped in the shop before, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so I went into it's Proof Wine and Spirits in Denver, um, on Larimer Street. Awesome selection when it comes to natural wine. Plenty of winemakers that I like recognize and have tried before, have met before. Importers that I've worked with and met, you know, so it's like the wine world is small. And so it's cool for me to be able to go into a shop 
and yeah, it's a city I've been before, but you know, it's I don't know anyone in the industry here. Right. And to be able to go into a shop and recognize these labels i can trust that i can grab basically any bottle and it's going to be good like i can recognize enough labels and makers and all of that that i'm like okay this whole selection is really (laughs) lit i can get whatever but then i do see labels and makers that i'm like ooh, i really i want to try their like i want to i like them i want to go with them right yeah so this label, simple, beautiful. It's rhinestones. Rhinestones by, with a beautiful rhinestone, just line art in like silver, right? It's kind of like silver. Yeah, it's on um, black and on silver. Black, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's rhinestone from Bow and Arrow. Bow and Arrow is in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. So because the, like, the land in the Willamette Valley is very similar to the Loire Valley in France, mm-hmm. they can grow, they like grow very similar varietals so this maker um, uses make sure to use the varieties that are the same to that region so this is a red blend of pinot noir and gamay noir which are my these, this blend is probably like my favorite yes. i that's right up my alley for like the nerds out there um, these grapes are sourced from johan Viner, Vine, uh johan vineyards farmed organically in a limestone clay and gravel soil which I'm sure it's going to come out in the flavor. I haven't even tasted it yet, but I'm like already ready from smelling it. Yeah, so let's let's give it a taste. It's been so reading online, you're supposed to, you should serve it with a slight chill, about 60 degrees, so a little bit less than room temp and let it breathe for a little while before. So open it up and let her breathe for a little bit. So I chilled it, opened it up a while ago before we started recording and then how is it, Leo? Mm. It's like dark color, sweet, punchy, kind of like beginning. Oh, that's zesty. <laughs> yeah, it's very zesty. It has the characteristic of the natural wine. It has a little feeling like it has bubbles. It's got like an effervescent feel yeah, on the it, tongue. Yeah. But there is no actual carbonation. That's really good. That is really delicious. It's easy to drink. Yeah, that's a summer wine. Mm-hmm. I do wish I had chilled it a little bit more, more yeah. but because I got it out to open it, I didn't have really have time. But some of these frozen grapes might be floating in there. I <laughs> <know>. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, but it's definitely really good, fruit forward. It's making my mouth water a little bit. <laughs> like this is what I'm gonna say. It tastes like the Coca-Cola lollipop. A little bit to me. That that's the note I get. Okay. So online, people say that it's fruity yet earthy. Just like us. I mean, fruity yet earthy, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very, like, so red berry forward, uh, you know, like the earthy is probably going to be like some mushroom on there or something, you know, that like kind of musty, which is slightly on there. Maybe once it's like had a little bit more time to breathe because it is still a little bit bright and tight probably. But yeah, they say like dry, easy to drink is the main thing that people say is it's easy to drink, which I completely agree with. This is on a warm summer evening on a patio. Yes, for sure. I see that. I could down this bottle. And I told myself I was only going to have a glass tonight, but I really don't know about that because <laughs> this is going to, it's going to go down way too easy. <laughs> no, it's really good. I mean, it's nice to be back to where you can find some really good, decent um, oh. natural wine. And I think, 
and, and uh, for people maybe tell for people that don't know much about natural wine are they expensive like what i mean there's w- natural wine that's approachable for all budgets, budgets I would say, yeah. um just like there's mainstream wine that's available on all budgets only with natural wine i think that you really know the quality that you're getting right. and there's a lot more care going into it it's exactly. not just corporation trying to get Mass your money producing. it's yeah. people that are really working and putting their heart and soul into this wine and i think that you can really taste that yeah as on top of the other benefits that come from it i think that it's just if you're going to drink wine i i would recommend drinking natural wine i think it it opens up a whole new like variation of wine or a whole new world of wine honestly that i didn't realize existed until i was exposed to it and right. yeah i think and it's not that intimidating like i feel like as long as you google natural wine shop yeah i mean especially if you're in a city or something i mean even if you are just visiting a city sometime that right. you know has it maybe it's not available in your hometown to try i mean like when you're out or you there are places that you can order online and so right. like i mean there it is approachable and people are like it's a culture around it too, i feel like people are really nice um you know they they really will help you like what kind of event are you going what are you like drinking and yeah because there's so much going on in it that it's really like you can really find a wine for every occasion right. yeah and like don't be scared right. to ask people for help and i think that's the main thing is like People in these shops, they want you to enjoy this product. They're exactly. they're creating this amazing list for you and to to enjoy what they're bringing, and so like they want to ex- explain it. Like right. they're passionate about. They it, are right? passionate. <laughs> they want to talk about this wine. So like, don't be scared to go in and be like, I am headed to a friend's party. They drink rosé. I don't know. Right. Boom. Is this is. Patio, like, make I'm sad. looking to grab three bottles, so I'm not looking for something expensive, but I'm looking for something good. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Like and most likely will guide you to like that. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. This is so exciting. I mean, I feel like I'm ready. I have my water. I'm gonna have a little bit of wine. Yeah, it feels good to have wine again. We'll see how many weeks we have wine now, but <laughs> for now, it's great to be back to our natural wine. Yes. Yeah. So a little bit about Inglewood. Yes, and since we're here, so as usual, I got the information from World Population Review. I may switch that source up at some point, but I really like the way that they present it. So <laughs> it's just like, boom, I like it. It's straightforward. And I've like cross-researched and I find all the same information from other sources, just they present it better. So for now, this is where I'm getting it. Perfect. But we'll see. Uh, Inglewood is in Arapahoe County, uh, population of... 35,500 roughly, which is actually up 17% from 2010. And judging by all the apartment buildings going up, that's not slowing down anytime Mm -hmm. soon. They're definitely going to be going up from that. The median age is 36.4, so just below the national average. So, and the average family size is three. So, definitely like that younger family vibe for the city. Like, it's a younger family area. And I feel that, yeah, I think. I that like too. that's the that's the vibe I get. Let's see. The demographic breakdown is eighty five point seventy one percent white, five point seventy eight percent identify with two or more races, four point thirty seven percent identify with another, two point twenty eight percent are black, and one point zero six percent Asian, point seventy nine percent Native American, 
and once again, no Hawaiians no Hawaiian. or Pacific Islanders. I really thought being in a city, I we might be in luck, but Not no yet. such luck. And we will find you. We will find you, <laughs> Islanders that have moved to the, to the mainland. mainland. We will, <laughs> yes. we will find where you are all hiding. Yes. But all right, so, all right, so that's. I mean, that's that's Singlewood. I mean, it's, we. It's it's in the city. It's just you know a yeah, district like, in the city. Right. Um. It's not the the burbs, but it's not the city. Like I don't know how to explain it. So, I mean, it's just a straight shot down Broadway. Right. Exactly. So I mean, it's yeah, it's right there. The but yeah, like a. Like a quiet part of like, yeah. The, yeah, like a lot of the houses are mid-century. There, it's there's a mix of houses, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of mid-century and stuff like that. So it's developed over the years. Um, I'm nervous to ask what happened. What ha- happened? What? Yeah, so this is an interesting story this week. This is a story that actually, like, I could, I found a lot of sources because it was a big story. So we'll get into it. And of course, be, but being in a city, I had a lot of choices for crimes because, and we all know if you are into true crime, you know that Denver has some fucked up shit. Oof. Like, the Denver area has some crazy stories. So I couldn't just go with Denver. I had to go with Inglewood right. because that's where we are. Yeah. But that even came up with some interesting stories. So, <laughs> you know, that didn't that didn't change anything. But yeah, this week I will be telling you about the 1980 murder of Helen Przinsky. My sources for this week, I used an article by Neil Vigdor uh, in the New York Times, a Washington Post article by Brittany Shamas, an article from the New York Post by Shelley Bradbury, and a heavy article by Caroline Warnock. So, let's get into this, shall we? So, we're going back to the 80s. Okay, let me put my brain in there. 1980, baby. We're, like, fresh in the 80s. February 1980. So, we, like, just left the 70s. What a time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about that time right yeah, now. I'm like trying to think and I'm like that that's a little bit before my time unfortunately. <laughs> uh 10 years. 10 year only 10 years. 10 years before you Excuse me. It feels like that was longer. A longer <laughs> stretch before me. It's only 10 years. Okay. So um Helen Przinsky was a 21-year-old and a junior at Wheaton College in Massachusetts, and she was studying to be a journalist. So recently, two weeks before this incident, um, she and her friend had moved in with her auntie and uncle when Helen was had moved to take an internship at a news department, uh, or in the news department of a local radio station called KHOW AM Radio. So they were living with her auntie in Inglewood, and... She was. She would always leave her job on time downtown, mm-hmm. and she would leave the like. She would get on the bus at 16th and Broadway at 6:10 p.m. to heading to South Broadway to a South Broadway stop, and each day from there, then she'd walk five blocks to her aunt and uncle's house on South Pennsylvania Street. She was always home around the same time because she really enjoyed getting home to talk to her aunt about mm-hmm. her day at her new job because That's she awesome. moved across the country to take this internship. To be a journalist, she got an internship with a, journal- a station. She was having the time of her life, right. so she got ho- she would like race home oh. every day to talk to her aunt. So when she wasn't home at her usual time, 
her aunt became really nervous. Right. And then as time as the evening went on, she got more and more nervous. And by 10.30 p.m., she knew that something was wrong, and she called the police to report her missing already. Like, uh, this aunt was not ch- kidding. Like, right. these days, I mean, there's 24-hour laws in place now, but, like, this aunt was not kidding. She was like, like she, I know something's wrong, which you should be able to report at that time. Right. Um, I mean, I understand things happen, but, like, I love that she was right on it. Right. So they didn't hear anything that night. But the next morning, a passerby found her body in a field on Daniels Park Road in Douglas County. <gasps> the area was near is near Inglewood, um, which is now known as Highlands Ranch, so just south of Inglewood. With her body, when they examined her, her hands were bound at the wrist behind her back. <gasps> she was nude from the waist down. She had been stabbed nine times in the back, which had punctured her lungs and <gasps> caused her lungs to fill with blood. And there was also evidence that she'd been raped repeatedly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So her body was identified by a coworker from the radio station oh. because he was the investigative reporter that worked closely with no. her. So they had him identify the body. And he actually said that he had seen a lot of bodies on the job, but he'd never seen the body of a friend when, oh. until he had to identify her body. So the only eyewitness of the evening of any kind was some was a woman that had seen a man near that field the night of the attack. So a woman had seen a man near the field the night before the body was found. And she was super cooperative with the investigation. She did everything she could to remember and describe every detail to the sketch artist. She had even gone under hypnosis so that she could help remember more details about the man's face. But unfortunately, there was a dead end. They oh. didn't. They couldn't find anything, no leads. So the Douglas County authorities came up with nothing, and they, when they revisited the case in 1997 and in 2013 and 2017. Wow. So for years, they brought this case up, and for years it was cold, and they never came up with anything. So luckily, the crime scene detectives were on their game the ni- when they found her body because they saved a lot of DNA that was found on the scene. Even though at the time they didn't have the technology to test this right. DNA, they knew to save it. They saved everything they could. I mean, there was obviously, there was a lot of evidence of rape, so they were able to find a lot of samples, but they preserved a lot. And in 1998, they checked the DNA against the FBI National Database and still didn't have any leads. But in and in twenty seventeen, they decided to test the samples with the new genealogy uh, sites, just like the Golden State Killer baby. Oh boy! They they used the site uh, GED Match uh, while working with a geol- uh, genealogist company called Par- uh, Parabon, and so yeah, they were using something like Ancestry or Twenty Three and Me, you know, like these genealogy sites that you submit your DNA okay. and find out who you're related to. So yeah, I mean, they've been catching a lot of people like this, and <laughs> yeah. I love it. I live for it. I want to know how many like people thought that they got away with something back <laughs> in the day, and now they're just like so scared every moment they leave their house that they're gonna be arrested because mm. it could happen. Yep. It like, I bet they're just lay awake every night wondering if they like left DNA. You know, it, anything. You know, they they could it could be a cold case that they haven't come back on, but, right, but... their their time's coming. You know. So when they tested it with this, they didn't get a direct match, but they did get several like potential relatives. Uh-huh. 
So then Detective Shannon Jensen, yes, yes. woman detective, yes. uh, she started working through the Family Tree Connections through these sites to eliminate family members by by the age, by location, right. by you know, just eliminating people that really there was no way they could have done it. So through all this is that she honed in on two brothers. These guys were the sons of a woman who had used six last names in her life and had at one point lived with her husband and children in Salt Lake City. So Detective Jensen began reaching out to family members and looking into these guys, and she learned that the family had been split, had really kind of split up at one point, and that, that these boys um, had lived with their father at one point, and then their mother, but after she had a nervous breakdown, they were sent to live with their uncle and aunt. And then the one that she was really focusing in on he had lived with his aunt or aunt and uncle until he was about 13. And he had often ran away and spent a lot of time in the foster care system. He also had uh, told authorities that he didn't know his mother and that he called his uncle his father. So he was really, he really took, he was really raised by his uncle in his right. eyes. Now that Detective Jensen had learned their names, she could really like focus in on really figuring out if it could be one of these brothers both brothers had a lengthy criminal history mm. and they actually had to really investigate both of them before eliminating one of the brothers but they were able to do that and that's when we learn about curtis allen white who is now known as james curtis clanton that's when this asshole enters the picture Ooh. so clanton had a history and his mug so when detective jensen was started looking into Jan Clanton. He had a history. He had a long rap sheet, and he also had a mugshot from nineteen ninety eight that looked very similar to the, the sketches that oh. the woman remembered and really helped with with the hypnosis and all that. That woman's sketch looked very similar to him. Hmm. It had been. I mean, it was like if this his the mugshot was from nineteen ninety eight. The sketch was from 1980, but it still looked like him. Wow. And the, I'll, you can see pictures online. It looks like him. Oof. They then learned that he had moved to Colorado from Arkansas about one year before he murdered Helen. Hmm. Uh, he, was a work, he was working as a landscaper for a vacuum company, and he actually lived within blocks of the South Broadway no. bus stop that she would use. <sighs> yeah. So when he moved to Inglewood, he was on parole. In 1975, he had been convicted for raping a woman <gasps> at knife point in her home. Oh, my God. He raped her and then forced her to drive him to a bus stop in Little Rock, Arkansas, and then let her go. But good for her and fuck him because she went straight to the police, good. reported him, and they arrested him at that bus stop within <gasps> an hour. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison for that rape. But of course, because it's America, they suspended 10 years and he was released on parole after only four years in prison. Four years? Yeah. He uh, sentenced to 30 and only spent four, four. And then was able to leave the state after. <gasps> so he moved to Inglewood to live with a former counselor who was trying to help him. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So after the murder, he moved to he moved to, uh, he moved to Florida, 
and legally changed his name from Curtis Allen White to James Curtis Clanton. Hmm. So he legally changed his name, um, which is why he has different names. And his mother had gone by six last names in her life, so it's probably something he learned from her. Right. Like, Um, you can fly under the radar if you just change your last name a bunch. So he became a truck driver and mostly went under the radar besides the 1998 arrest, which was for domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So he obviously has issues with women. Right. He's obviously a dick. And also, like, they say he flew under the radar, but as a trucker... With this going on, we you he has to have other victims. Oh, like of course. Of a truck course. driver cruising around this country in the eighties with this history, like you know, you know, and like such similar, yeah, he you know he's done it multiple more times. Right. You know, once the detectives targeted Clanton, they spent a week the um they spent the week of Thanksgiving in Lake Butler, Florida, which is where he was living, like scoping him out. Because they needed to get a sample of his DNA to directly match him. So they were just following him. They tried to get a sample from a milk carton that they watched him throw away, but they were unsuccessful. And then after nine days, they lucked out. And on November 30th, they worked with a bartender (gasps) at a bar that he was at. And the bartender got the drink, the glass from him and brought it to the police and the dna from the mug matched Matched, yes was a direct match to the murder scene (gasps) so yes bartenders Bartenders, can help solve murders man it was all because of that mug love it so then in december of 2019 clanton was arrested 40 years after the murder of helen Przinsky. 62-year-old James Curtis Clanton was arrested as he got out of his truck one day. Oh, my goodness. They just snagged him. Um, He was charged with first-degree murder and second-degree kidnapping. But, of course, they couldn't charge him for the rape because of statute of limitations. So, yay system. But at least, I mean, they got him for good things, but still. So they extradited him from Florida to Colorado two days later. Like, they'd wasted wow. no time sending him to Colorado to face up. So he began confessing to the investigators on the drive to the airport. No. Like, he was he was confessing about the murder to the investigators. And there's actually footage of that, like, from the, like, body cams <gasps> in the vehicle that you can watch him confessing about the murders. What? It's I it's creepy. If you're into that, you can find it very easily. Ooh. But, yeah, it's it's weird to just, he's just confessing right off, like, Wasting no time. Helen's last living immediate family member was her older sister, Janet Johnson, who is 70 years old now mm-hmm. at, the, well, at the time. And uh, she was immediately notified that they'd caught the man that killed her sister. And she said, there has not been a day that goes by that we haven't missed her. Mm-hmm. The detectives and everyone else that helped make this day happen are my heroes. Mm-hmm. So like she had been waiting her entire life, wow. you know, for this. In February 2020, Clanton pled guilty to the to the murder, telling investigators that he abducted Helen Przinsky at knife point, tied her hands behind her back, and brought her into that field where they found her the next morning. <sighs> and of course, since he pled guilty, he avoided the death penalty, of course. which is why he did it. Right. And Clanton was since to, sentenced to life with pos- with the possibility of parole. Like, don't give this man parole. Right. Like, he's already shown that it doesn't matter to him. Like, what? so his attorney. <laughs> His attorney told the court that his client was remorseful over the killing. Whatever. 
And since then, Clanton had become a father and da- to a daughter, and so that made him feel even more remorseful and guilty. Right, whatever. And he was a changed man. He had grown since then, whatever. so they shouldn't charge him. Yeah, and so it made him feel more guilt, and he even prayed for Helen. Oh, right, sure. Yeah, like, whatever. Sorry, too late. And, that, and they also said that, you know, he decided to plead guilty to provide the family with closure. Like... What? No, you did it to save your own neck. Like you did it right. so you wouldn't get the death penalty. You didn't save, do it, say it to Whatever, for closure. Yeah. You knew that you were gonna get, the, you know. Yeah. You knew you were gonna get killed. Like get the death penalty for it. Yeah. So he's a dick. It, he's his estimated parole eligibility date is in December of 2039. Um, so that's the first time he'd ever be getting out, which. I don't see happening. I don't see him making it that long, thankfully. He's serving a sentence in the Bent County Correctional Facility, which is a private medium security prison. So even then, I'm like, no, send his, send him to fed, federal. Right. Like, send him in. Like, why is he getting a nice, like, leisurely Dreaming. prison? Like, I'm sure it's not leisurely, but, like, no. He doesn't deserve, because you know he did more than just this. Yeah, of course. And this is all that he went in for, and he thought he got away with it. Um, and he was also, like, yeah, married and living... With his family, life. a whole new life in Florida for all these years. And because of that, he deserves no. to get away. No. Wow. So awesome. I mean, I think it's awesome that they got him with the DNA. Like, yes. that is the best part, you know. We're th- so thankful for these investigators that no matter how long it has been, they're, you know, seeking justice. And bartenders, man. I mean, what did I tell you? Bartenders are always saving the day. Yes, honey. Oh, my God. Wow. And I thank you for the people that build this technology. You know, because these technologies and science is a fact. It's not an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and we're able to discover these things, you know. And people hold people accountable. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I I just wonder, like, like I said, you know, like, do they just wonder when they're going to get caught? And, like... How do they, like, try to keep their kids from submitting DNA samples right, to these databases? That's a bad like, idea. <laughs> like, you know, like, what do you say to, like, keep your family some, from submitting samples to try to, you know, like, limit the exposure? Like, I don't know. It's just, I wonder if that goes through their minds. It has yeah, to. I bet. I mean, I wonder if they can sleep at night. I really wonder, like, as in his time truck driving and in his time in Colorado and all this, like he had a history of rape by knife point. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to mention that like a judge in Colorado was just as skeptical as us in that situation uh-huh. and asked to use the D- his DNA against other cold case investigations exactly. for rapes and all that in Colorado. And even if it was just a rape case, if it had DNA tests against it, because even though statute of limitations had run out, the victim still deserved closure right. on the case. So even though he wouldn't get anything further for getting charged for it, they could still know who did it. Wow. And I think that that's awesome that the judge was like, no, do it. Like, let's right. find out if he is responsible for any of these other right, things. Right, let's get closure elsewhere um, if we can. Right? Yeah, and it's not only about getting that prison sentence it's about closure too right so yeah i i i'm not the only skeptical one you know i love that the judge was like now nah, he has to have done more let's yeah. let's check this out let's find it's, out you can tell that it's not like a one-time thing yeah based on histories and 
anything. I mean, just yeah, that it that he was able to do it with no witnesses. That he knew that I don't know. He I feel like he had been mapping it out. Or for a while, yeah. and I mean, it's terrible that that Helen had only been living in Denver for two for weeks. Two weeks. That's nothing. She she was still on the honeymoon phase of it when she was. It was still right. bright and shiny and new to her and like. So for that to have happened is just tragic. And then for the family to not have got, or her parents never got closure. Her right. brother, I, I believe she had an older brother who never got closure. Only her sister, oh, her but sister. at least somebody did. Right, exactly. Wow. But Wild. Thank wild. Thank you for that story. I'm like... Yes, you're welcome. So I'm just going to drink this wine. I just feel like at least we got closure this time. Mm-hmm. Later in, in, in the years, but thankfully... So I can better sleep late better. than never, you know. <laughs> so I can sleep better, a little bit better tonight. Oh, also, Generation Y, which is a great podcast, <laughs> uh, covered this story. Um, the reason that this story has been covered by so many news sources and everything is because of the fact that it was a forty-year-old cold case right. solved by the ge- uh, genealogy. So that's how it got its headlines. Dateline did a a story on it. Um, so I mean, I used the New York Times and the Washington Post. I never get to use those sources. Right. So yeah, I mean, Gen Y did a podcast uh, episode on it too. It's a great podcast if you've never listened. They're one of the first ones that I started listening to. It's great. Right. So you can go check it out too. They did a great job. Yeah. But, but anyway, Leo, if people want to talk to us about this episode or anything else, where can they find us? Yes, please come check out our Instagram at the rv voice vrv voice with an i also on twitter and you can check out our website the rv voice with an i.com and you can find me at reina salty also on the socials <laughs> and you can find me at nikki rv boy with an i on the socials on twitter instagram whatever yeah so yeah. this is our last episode for the year during pride but happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Let's stand together. Let's, let's stand together. Let's celebrate. Let's never hide again. And let's, we believe in reproduction rights, too. We believe in body autonomy and the right... We believe in body autonomy. Yes. <laughs> and the right for people to have a choice about what goes on with their bodies. Yes. That's the end of the story. We believe in people's privacy as to what goes on in their homes and what goes on with their bodies. And... The fact that the government's wanting to control that is messed up. And we should not just be rolling over and taking it. We need to fight. Yes, exactly. So, So, yeah. And that note. On that note, cheers to another week. Yes. We'll see you later. And we'll talk later. Bye. Ciao. Ha, ha, ha.